morning. So I'm uh, I'm going to do this slightly different than I did in the first service. I'm going to tell a story to begin with. Um, there's an old story. Um, Ted told it after the sermon in the first service. I'm going to tell it at the beginning. So the story goes like this. A person comes to, to a church, and he meets somebody at the door, and he says, boy, I sure hope this church is better than my last one. They were always, you know, people were mean, and they were back talking and backbiting and all this stuff. And the wise usher at the door says, I hate to say this, but sometimes that happens. And the next person comes up, and, and they say, I just hope this place is exactly like the church I came from. I just moved here. My old church was friendly, and people were family. And, and all of a sudden, the usher says, well, that's what you'll find here. The story goes like this, that we find what we're looking for. If you're looking for people that are difficult to get around and deal with, then you're sure to find them wherever you look. Some of that might be the way you're looking. If you're looking for people you can get along with and work into and, and learn how to love together, then you'll find them wherever you look too, often. But this is the story. I'm going to read the story today from uh, Luke 7. I just want to talk to you a little bit. And I, and I just want to make sure that you know, have you ever found, have you ever seen that person that is always looking for the difficult? And they're always upset that nothing ever goes the way they want it. And nobody can ever do it right. Have you met those people in your life? Okay. We're, we're about to look in on some of those people. As uh, Jesus talks this way, I wanna, I'm going to read this. And we'll stop in the middle. I'll kind of discuss it, and then I'll go on. This is from Luke 7, verses 18 and beyond. The disciples of John the Baptist told John, about everything Jesus was doing. Now, the everything Jesus was doing here is he was healing, and not just healing, but he had done a couple of healings that really called back to say, look, this is Elijah and Elisha combined and greater. Right? Because he healed a leper, and he brought somebody back, back to life. So here it is. So John called for the two disciples, called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Recognizing that he had just been told all the stuff that Jesus was doing. So he sends two disciples to say, are you the one? John's two disciples found Jesus, and they said, when John the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? So here's his answer. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to the blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back and tell John, tell him what you've seen and heard, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him God blesses those who do not turn away. So have you ever asked a question and got the same answer again, like that was supposed to be the answer, and it wasn't good enough? That's essentially what John the Baptist is getting. 
He's heard that Jesus is healing people. He's heard the good news is being taught. And so he says, well, that's not what I was hoping for. So you go ask him if he's the one we should be looking for. And in response, Jesus says, what you heard before was what you should be looking for. <laughs> Blessed are those who don't fall or stumble because of me. And so what we've got here is we've got people looking in the wrong places for the wrong things. And now I know nobody in this room has ever done that before, like me, that, that I've just spent my time looking in the wrong places for the wrong things, and my eyes are in the wrong spot all the time. That's kind of what, and, and just so you know, because we're going to talk about John the Baptist here, John the Baptist is doing that too. Which some could say, well, that's almost permission for me since he's pretty fabulous. But it's not. So let's go on and read some more. After John's disciples left, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People who wear beautiful clothes live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you, were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, look, I'm sending the messenger ahead of you. and He will prepare a way for you. I tell you, of all who ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's, a, that's kind of a byword for us, right? We, were, we go out to see great teachers, and we love great teachers. We want to see these things. Are we looking for fancy clothes? Because that's what our celebrities look get dressed up. I tell you, none is greater than he. And yet he is, even the least in the kingdom is greater than he. When they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right for they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts of religious law rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. To what can I compare the people of this generation, he asked. How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in the public square, yelling to their friends. We played wedding songs and we didn't dance. We played funeral songs and that John the Baptist didn't spend time eating bread or drinking wine, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. I'll take a little moment before I go into my own story and start talking about this thing, about this this group of people that only are looking for something that they already understand, but are looking for something new. You're wanting to have something new happen, but then when it happened, you said, well, I didn't understand it, so I didn't like it. That's kind of what the disciples are, or the, the Pharisees are saying here. They're sort of saying, well, we want you to be our person, but we want to understand everything you do. Therefore, I... If the Pharisees understood everything they did, he did, then they wouldn't have needed a Savior to show them a better way. 
It's like the story, and I, I've told this, I, I, I love this story. When I went away, my first summer away um, in Vancouver, I took a year of Greek in seven months. But I was going out in my spare time, which was not much, but street witnessing with a friend that I had, and one of the roommates that I had was, we had four individual rooms that we shared a common room. He would always go out and say, what do you say when you're out there street witnessing? So I sort of laid out the three things, and there was none of that here. And he goes, how come you never say any of that stuff to me? I said, well, first off, um, I have seven weeks with you, and I have 15 minutes with them. So my plan's going to be different. Was, huh? And we talked a lot. Lots of times he'd say things like, I don't know enough about this church stuff to even argue with you. Do you have something to, that I can read so that I can know more? And I, I, I gave him the Gospel of John. I thought, well, I'll be back in three months. Three hours later, he got to chapter three. And I got him through that and went on and read. But later on, he said this. Because I went to a church once, and I didn't understand anything that was going on there, so I left. And I was thinking, well, praise God for that church. Um, what do you mean? Well, if you'd understood everything that was going on, you, there's nothing new going on there. But if there's something going on you don't understand, perhaps God has provided a different thing in your life. Maybe you should ask for help understanding before you walk out. There's more to this than meets the eye in this text. But I, before I move on, I want to make sure that we look at this one step. I'm not calling for you to be judgmental of people that are looking for the wrong things in the wrong places because you've been there and maybe are still there. I'm calling for mercy. The Holy Spirit has a spotlight ministry that shines on Jesus. And, and it says, don't look over there. Look over here where the light is. Look over here where the light is. Go, go look at Jesus. Go see Jesus. Look at Jesus. I know there's stuff over there. It's just not as important as what's going on here. Turn your eyes upon Jesus is what you're doing. When we kind of join into that ministry, we keep doing our stuff. And, and we don't do it for results. We do it because Jesus are his results, but it's joining into that spotlight ministry. I want to read the rest of it, and then we'll talk a little bit more about how people are looking in the wrong places and doing the wrong things. It's this. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, what's the first thing you remember about the Pharisees when you say who Jesus is? They're, they're mad about something. He eats with sinners. So the Pharisee asked him to come to dinner, and what's he do? Excuse me. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had been invited saw him, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now remember, the big complaint here is he eats with sinners. He 
got invited to take. The other thing I like here is when people think private thoughts and musings and presence, he went on. You ever thought private thoughts and musings and presence and then had an interim when you didn't say it out loud? The Pharisee is about to experience it. Then Jesus answered his thoughts saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to the other. But neither of them could repay. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling the debt. Who do you suppose loved him more afterwards? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little, who has been forgiven little, shows little love. And then Jesus turned to the woman and said, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man who has even forgiven sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So who's been forgiven little in the process here? You have two people both with a debt that they can't pay. You ever had a debt you can't pay? Let me ask you this question in a different way. Have you ever done something for somebody and you needed to seek forgiveness, but the time sort of slipped away and the bridge between that event got further and further and you didn't think, you know, I could go to them, but really the time has passed and it's too late? You have a debt can't pay. And it's getting bigger. It's like the interest rate has gone up and the further away it is. I just want you to start to hear this, that that even the Pharisee is a sinner, but he's not seeing his his sin. He's looking in the wrong places for his sin or for somebody else's sin. He's not looking in the right places for the right things. He's looking at somebody else going, that person's a sinner. Well, that person knows they're a sinner too. That person is seeking forgiveness. But you're a sinner and you have got it. So this is what's going on with the Pharisee. is He has a debt he can't pay too. It's too big. It can't be done for him by him. It can be done for him by Jesus. And Jesus is going to forgive or die or sacrifice himself, if you will, for the Pharisee's sins as well. I want you to sort of transport yourself back into that place and sort of say, which one of these am I? Which one of these have I been? Have I I ever been in both of them? Have you ever been both of them? I have. I've been the one. I've been John the Baptist standing there going, well, I know he's healing people and he's giving the gospel and he's, he's doing all these wonderful things, but is he really the Savior? And I've also been the one going, I've had my sins forgiven. I mean, the stuff inside me is fixed. And I 
It's been both ways for me. Yesterday, I spent quite a bit of time. I was I was staining wood for for a project I'm working on all by myself. And you know what you do when you're all by yourself and you start talking to God because you start smelling like an incense burner or something that you've been working on. I don't know why I'm talking about incense, but I thought, what do you? Look, I've had a debt that I can't repay. I've done stuff that still isn't working for me. but if I'm describing your life for a second, then maybe you can hear what I'm saying. We have debts that can't be paid, but we're spending time looking at the big debt of somebody else. You have no idea what people are going through, the mercy that's required for them to see it, but their eyes are blinded, they're looking in the wrong place at the wrong time, at the wrong thing. So this, this is what I'm going to talk about. I just want you to be aware that people are doing that, and it's not always our job to point that out. I know that that comes as a, as a darn surprise for you, that, that you thought perhaps it was your job to point out somebody else's incompleteness or lack of forgiveness or something like that. No, it's your job to live the way and through God is working in you. Thinking of a quote that I, I I wasn't here last week, and I thank you for putting up with my wife, who probably does this better than I do. But uh, I've heard from some of you who said that you don't put up with my wife very much. Um, but there was a quote that that I was given to share on the weekend, and I want to I want to take I want to I want to take umbrage at a popular saying, and that is, "What would Jesus do?" As a way that we then try to model a behavior, we just act according to. The quote says it this way, what would Jesus do isn't actually Christianity. Christianity is, what is Jesus doing in and through me? That's quite a bit different. Now, the same things might get done out in the world, but one has all the form of godliness without any of the power, and the other has has the power behind it, and it might not even come in the form that you're looking for. When God starts to work in your life, go join him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, if you will. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Full and wonderful thing. Get your eyes off the other people's sin and start looking at, at him and what he's done for you. And, and by the way, if as the longer you look at the, at the writings of Paul, you'll see if you put them in order, he starts off that he's a pretty bad guy, that he's done bad things, but later at the end of his life, he's the worst of all sinners. He's not looking at other people. We're thinking about the guy that wrote 40% of the New Testament saying, I've got a debt looking at other people's debts. I'm just looking at the debt that I can be paid. And Jesus starts to work in your life and you start focusing. Just make a covenant with your eyes to be looking at the way Jesus works in your life. And go join him in that work. Now sometimes that's going to be private prayer closet stuff. Sometimes that's going to be in the soup kitchen. Sometimes 
it's going to be, as Bill found out, in a different church making sure their church is clean. To a retreat that he didn't even get to go on. But he made it special for somebody else. Looking where God is working in our life, his Christianity, joining him in the work is how we are brought into the whole relationship with Feeling like I'm done, right? Um, before I want to pray on the second point today about the, how we measure worth. You are in my I pray over you and join me if, if you would. Lord Jesus, I ask that you be at work in every one of our lives. I know you are. Ask that uh, you would send your spirit in the spotlight to shine where your glory is. That we be light where there is none. That we would see you at work and we would be able to join you in that work. That you transform our lives. That you begin to pour your blessing and your, your mercy and your grace to those that are here today they would see that that blessing and mercy and grace is theirs. But it's also on the way to somebody else. That you show them that. Lord, I ask that you continue our work. You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. That you would make us into workers of righteousness. That you would transform us into people that long to be with you.